Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Tuesday night, and uh, trying to be efficient. Let's see if we can do the Haftorah this week. Um, the interesting or strange Haftorah in Parshis Truma. This is being sponsored from Houston by two fans, two chazinim of uh, Gideon Miller, one of my favorite people. And this is from this is being sponsored jointly by two people who attend his shear in Houston, and that is Leonard Berkowitz and Robert Adams, Berkowitz and Adams, and um, as I said before, they go to his Gemara shear. It's again, uh, he's an old student of mine, and I mentioned from time to time he helps me with a lot of things, and it's very nice and satisfying that he now has Talmudim, so to speak, who on their own obviously must like it so much that they just felt like. Um, sponsoring in his honor a podcast. Uh, <clears throat> and so with that, so that's a, it's three cheers to Houston, seriously. <clears throat> now, we have here in Parshish Trum is all about the building of the Mishkan, therefore, Daftar is about the building of the base of Migdash. <clears throat> and actually goes into some of the nitty gritty, which I'm not sure I want to get into, but rather I want to call attention to the beginning of the Haftar, <clears throat> which is strange or weird. A lot of things about Shlomo Melcha weird. A lot of things. And this is one of them. Compare and contrast the building of the Mishkan on the one hand with the building of Beis Mishkan on the other. Um, the building of the Mishkan, we're told, was done directly in divine orders. That's the whole shot of the Pasuk this week. Hashem gives the whole instructions. Okay. This is God, <coughs> excuse me, God calling the shots. By contrast, you don't see that when they build a base of mix. I mean, there is a Pusik or two when I mentioned last week, in last week's Avtori, which is Dovinamel got instructions from upstairs. <coughs> there is a, a fleeting verse like that. But it doesn't say that Hashem told Shlomo Melch, who eventually called build a base of Mishkan. Shlomo Melch does get Navu a couple times. Why doesn't it say, <clears throat> and the Lord spoke unto Solomon and said, build three wings over here and two wings on the right and one wing on the left and, you know, have make sure there's, like in this week's Haftorah, there's a, a series of steps that goes on the outside of the building <clears throat> that you're constructing, etc., etc. It doesn't say that. Moreover, I'll tell you something else. As far as I can tell, when they construct the Mishkan, <clears throat> it's an all-Jewish affair. <clears throat> As we know, in Truman Tzavayakabakude, Moshe Rabbeinu calls on the Jewish people, the Jews, I say, to contribute the money, the effort, the labor, and all the rest of it, including the women. And as we know, the Jewish people respond enthusiastically, <coughs> excuse me, Ad Kedekach, they eventually have to shut down the appeal. <laughs> That's the first and last time you'll ever hear that of a Jewish appeal, right? Hamlochai Dayom Vehoser. Correct? You know, they actually send an announcement via Vira Kobamachana. This is coming up later. Stop giving. When was the last Jewish institution you ever heard? <laughs> they put out in the paper, stop giving. Now, 
Great. That means that the Mishkan is a manifestation of the enthusiasm, the, the, the noble and wonderful enthusiasm that the Jewish people display. <clears throat> and everything was done on a volunteer basis. Nobody had to do anything. Nod volibam, it says. And verses like that. So that's wonderful. So much so that there are some verses that say that the spontaneous enthusiasm that the Jewish people displayed for building the Mishkan and the generosity with which they endowed the project, were happy to do it, sort of made up for the golden calf in some way. You know what I'm saying? In other words, when they made the golden calf, they immediately ripped off the, the rings and threw it in the fire. But when they made the Mishkan also, they were very enthusiastic. <clears throat> you do not see a bit of it when it comes to building of the temple. Especially in this week's Haftar, which is nothing but taken from the description of Book of Kings. You don't see a bit of it. Instead, you see something different and much worse, at least as far as I can tell. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, as far as I can tell. It's not a spontaneous. It's not voluntary from the public. It's not all that kind of stuff. It's a top-down order. Shlomo basically says, look, guys, I'm in charge. I'm building this for the glory of my house. For the glory of God's house, but in other words, for my dynasty. And he uses a lot of that talk when the time comes for building the base of English to God promised David. And he said, if you will do this, you know, you'll keep the Davidic dynasty on the throne. <clears throat> it's very self-centered. You don't see anything self-centered whatsoever by Moshe Rabbeinu. But you see plenty of it by Shlomo. And since it's top-down, <clears throat> so Shlomo operates in a different basis. One of which is, at the beginning of the Haftorah today, his hookup with the Goyim, that they provide the wood and the, and the artisans and stuff like that. Because Shlomo <clears throat> cuts a deal with the Lebanese king, Hiram of Tyre, Hiram Elksor. I believe that's even the beginning of the of the Haftorah today, right? This week. Hashem Nasan Chachm Shlomo, Vayishon Ben Chiram, Ben Shlomo, Vayichrusim So Shlomo cut a deal, a covenant between him and Hiram, the king of Tyre. You know where that is. It's not too far, far north of the Israeli border now, in Lebanon. And basically, you know, you, Hiram, will supply wood and workers and all this other junk. And I, Shlomo, will sell you, you know, in exchange, wheat and some real estate and all kind of business. Later on, they go into great detail about what the exchange was. <clears throat> what the heck you need to go in for? You understand? And you'll tell me like this. Well, that's where the trees were. Then don't use Geisha trees. Don't we say that the trees they use for the Mishkan... The story, as we all know, is the and all that. Yaakov Avinu brought it with him to Mitzrayim. I mean, what's the meaning of that famous medrash? The Yaakov bought the, the the wood to Mitzrayim. He wanted Tfisas Yisrael, like you do with a mikvah. You know, you want everything to be in Jewish hands. Um, there's something nice about that. After all, base and is base and should be all Jewish operation. And even if you had to come down a bit and not get the best wood in the world and so on and so forth, but get Class B wood, but it would be Yiddish wood, if it was up to me, and of course Shlom was smarter than me, but you know what I'm saying, if it was up to me, i say better get a Jewish wood grown by Jews, even if it's not so fancy schmancy, <clears throat> that'll be better than the eyes of Hashem. But Shlomo took the attitude, I want top dollar, top quality, and even how he ordered from Nazi Germany, you know, if it's the best of the best... <clears throat> Only the best of the best works for the base of English. 
because I wanted to be the best of the best, the fanciest and the schmanciest. <clears throat> so that's weird, at least to me. Now, there's another Hiram, Hiram, who's Jewish. So you got to watch that. It's confusing. There are two Hirams in the story. If you read the first 10 chapters of the Book of Kings, Lachamalaf, there's Hiram, who was like the Michelangelo over there, the uh, artisan. He was Jewish. <clears throat> then there was the king, who was a guy. And in this week's Haftorah and Parsha, we're talking about the guy. So why should the Lebanese have a chalik in the base of Migash? It's, it's very strange. <clears throat> right? But that's what Shlomo wanted. It seems, at least, that he was more interested in, in quality of product than in ethnic origin. But it's more of a Jewish thing of the ethnic origin. Uh, you could disagree with me. And basically, it's not exactly the same thing. But it's like saying, would you rather get a car built by Jews or you rather get a German car? You know, I don't know, something like that. In 1946, you know. So... That's number one, that's strange. <clears throat> number two, and, and again, the, 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 the pussy goes to trouble talking about it. Number two, since it's a top-down business, it was done as a one-man show, Shlomo is running the show, he uses a slave labor force, not voluntary labor. You don't find in the basic English story that they said whoever wants to give should give, and that the people are given such a happy tone that Shlomo has to say, stop the money. No. Shlomo uses his own money. David squirreled away a lot of money at the end of Divri uh, Amalaf. <coughs> and Shlomo is using the money. Therefore, he said like this. It's my money. I see how it runs. And he runs on a very weird basis in my mind. And the plus he goes through the trouble of telling you that who becomes the labor force to construct the base and mix at the heavy level. Okay? Who comes the labor force? Not a whole bunch of volunteers, which you'd think every year would say, I would like to have a piece of the action. Let me go and participate in building base of English. If I'm young and strong, I can do heavier work. If I'm older and weaker, I could do lighter work. But everybody would like to look at the base of English and say, I built part of that. My Bubby, my Zadie, my great-great-grandfather had a chalik in the building base of my dad. Once you think that you would think like that, but instead, Shlomo drafted a forced labor operation. The Shlomo took uh, 30,000 workers whom he forced. Amas means a corvée, C-O-R-V-E-E, like an old French monarchy, where the peasants have to do forced labor for a certain period of time, not all the time, for a certain period of time for the master. And so they tell you, the Shlomo had a three-month system, two months they worked, and one month they went home, and so forth. So, who the heck wants that? You know? You're telling me, you're telling me when and where I should work. And he even had taskmasters like Pharaoh and people running the operation like a police state. It says later on, the Tzavim. It's all in the Parsha day. <clears throat> and things of that nature. Um, even tells you how many, how, the, how big the police force was. You know, Levad Misori Hanitzavim L'Shlomo Asher Amalocha they Rodim is they dominate the people, they beat up the people, didn't do work. <clears throat> so you turn the building that base of English into a nightmare as far as I'm concerned. Because you turn into a forced labor operation, which the people hated. And later on, when Shlomo dies, that's forty years after forty years, the people complained to his son, Your father made the Malacha too heavy for us, and we want you to lighten it, which really, really, really means 
the corvée. They weren't talking about the taxi. He said, we hate this business. Your father makes us work do forced labor. And the son, of course, responded, I'll make you do worse. And therefore they quit. And that was the end of the Jewish kingdom. The kingdom split over the question of the, of the forced labor, the corvée. <clears throat> right? And and the, the next king, Rechab, was stupid enough that when he wanted to negotiate the people, he sent Adoniram, who appears in our Haftorah today. And Adoniram was the guy in charge of the forced labor. So you'd say, you know, he was the most hated man in the country. Because he's the one who took your father, your brother, your uncle, your cousin, your nephew, and marched them away from the farm, whether you like it or not, under under armed a guard, and made them work and say, you should be satisfied, you're building base in Mish. And I'm sure they also used them for other things as well. So it's the reverse of what you find with the Mishkan. And then to make things even more complicated, as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> it goes on to say that by Hila Shlomo Shivim Elf Nosi, Sabal Shemonim Elf Chotzebar. He had a slave labor force of heavy labor. 70,000 carriers of burden. Okay? No, it's that's the heavy, schlepping, back-breaking stuff. And 80,000 quarrying in the mountains because they need a belt of uh, stones and and uh, marble and all that kind of stuff. That is hard work, baby. And this was a slave labor. In other words... I mean, you think a guy like Shlomo who had an open checkbook, right? I mean, money was no issue to him. Money was no issue to him. If he had money coming out of the ears, I'd could they cock that he bought stupid things and says he bought monkeys. I'm serious. Read on the Book of Kings. And parakeets, and who knows what he imported at great, at great expense. So if he's got an open checkbook, you'd think he'd say like this. <clears throat> I want the best guys for quarrying and for the heavy labor, but I am paying top dollar. Okay. I am paying top dollar. So yes, you work your head off. I want young, strong guys, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and so forth. And the pay equates to $1,000 an hour. I don't know, something like that. And so the people will come and say, okay, you know, for that kind of compensation. But instead, he had a slave labor force. that They must have hated it. And as I said before, they were dominated by officers, Harudim Ba'am, like it says Pharaoh's taskmasters, Harudim Ba'am. And these are the guys who did the heavy work. Who were these people, right? Who was unlucky enough? You see what I'm saying? Ah, you say you're lucky build a base to make. Not under those circumstances. Volunteerism is gone. And so Shalom went off and wanted the force system. Who are these people? So there's a very strange Rashi and Radak. It's very weird based on how you combine this with Sukkim and Divrayelim. And, um... Where is it over here? In, in the Rashi on this Pasuk, he says, Shmonim Elif HaChotzim Hasam Bahar. See, he had the 70 and 80,000, 150,000 heavy slave laborers. Kulam Gerim Gerurim Hayu, Shenez Gairim Machmas Gedulas Shlomo Mishokhano. So, this is a weird story. Um, you will perhaps recall the Rambam. It's a very famous Rambam where he talks about Shlomo and the Gaisha wives and all the rest of it. And he says, I'm going by heart. I mean, I've seen it many times. Don't think that Shlomo married Gaisha women without converting them, but rather he converted them. Elamai. And he goes on to say that the um, the Basedins, meaning the formal Basedins, Sanhedrin, were not Makabal Gerim. There's a Gemara during the time of uh, David and Shlomo, 
because they did not trust their sincerity. In the time of David, because they were scared, menapacha, and time of Shlomo, because of the wealth. So in other words, let's put it this way. <laughs> if, if you were an Edomite, and you looked in your tele, in your binoculars, and you saw Yo of Venturian marching down at the head of a troop of soldiers, I convert pronto. <laughs> right? But Yo ain't fooling around. You want to kill everybody. So I'd convert right then and there. Tell me what to do. Me, let's feel our sauce. Let's do it, baby. Uh, so it was insincere. And in the time of Shlomo, like the Queen of Sheba, he said, sure, I want to be Jewish. The Jews are living the life of Raleigh. Everybody, you know, Ishtachas Gafno, Ishtachas Taino. Everybody was prosperous. Shlomo was crazy rich, like I said before. Crazy rich. The Queen of Sheba says, I, what I heard about your wealth was only not even half of what's really going over here. And so in the time of Shlomo Melch, to be Jewish was like to be a millionaire or something like that. And that's why, so it's insincere. You see? That's why the guy wants to <coughs> convert to be Jewish. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a waiter at the Pesach Hotel. I want to be Jewish too. I, you know, I have people wait on me. You know, I, I was at a millionaire at Pesach Hotel. If this one means the worst thing I can do, sign me up. So, uh, the Sanhedrin wouldn't accept him, but the based in Shalhediotis, it says, accepted them. Notice a lot of people went through and converted Goyim to become Jewish, even though it was done without the Rishus of the Sanhedrin and the regular court system. And Shlomo Melch himself was one of the serial perpetrators because he had a thousand wives, many of whom were not Jewish to start out with, but he went ahead and used these Beis Shalhediotis, Rambam tells us, and Perakir Gimel Hilchus of I think, that um, he just went ahead and did it. <clears throat> If the king sets a bad example, so everybody does it. And the result was you had a, a ton of these people floating around the population. The state of Israel, as you know, is now going through a lot of political struggles, what to do with the Ruskies, you know. You have a lot of Soviet Jews, you know, one member of the family is Jewish, the other one is Jewish, now they're in Israel 20, 30 years, and, you know, and they're not converted yet, and, you know, what's the story with them, and should we do a mass conversion in the Hekwa Kabbalah's mitzvahs, or, or not, should you insist in a regular way, these are big battles, halachic battles, that have been raging in Israel since at least 1990 or so, and actually even before that. I have these old yellow books from the Moser Rav Cook, what he called the Kinos Artsi Latosh Shavapeh, that used to attend back in the old days, in the 80s, whatever, and sometimes they they had people presenting on these issues. Um, the Soviet jury, I mean. Now, these Yom Jews is a completely different story. Uh, that's a separate part, I'm not talking about that. I am talking about the Soviet Jews. So anyway, they were called Gerim Gururim, which means in low-quality Gerim. But they were Gerim. Gerim Gururim. So, what's the right way of treating this? It's a problem. One would think that the attitude should be as follows. Maybe I'm not crazy about the reason you converted in the first place, but once you're aboard, you're aboard. And let's do what we can to try to give you a Torah education and integrate you as much as possible with the rest of the colleagues for all the idea being we'll try to firm you out as best we can. And as time goes on, your children and grandchildren you know, will really be uh, from Jews. But instead, Zakrashi, and this is early in his reign. That's why the whole thing is very strange. Uh, Shlomo made a census. That is to say, he sent a commission to find out how many of these Gerim Gurim are, are there. 
and it was over 150, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And um, he, it's like a racism, and he arrested them, and he drafted them for forced labor, seventy thousand for hauling heavy, no see salvo heavy materials, schlepping, stevedores, and seventy thousand working in the very hard business of quarrying in the mountain. One of the guys knows how to do it; it doesn't how to do it. Supervised by a. a, a a from police, right? And the life must have been a hell. Life must have been a hell. Now, why did Shlomo do this? It says, Kulam Gerum Grumahayu, I'm reading Rashi. They converted because of the wealth of Shlomo, which is funny because this happens early on in the reign of King Solomon. Uh, you know, he built a basement, I think, in the fourth year or something like that. Um, you know, of his reign. In fact, it says in our Haftorah, uh, in 480 years after he left Egypt, So Shalomel started building a base of the fourth year. And he started out when he was 12 years old. So it's a strange story. He's 12 years old. He decides to build a base of Egypt by the time he's 16. He's fa- uh, along the way, he makes plans. And here's a 15-year-old kid who's now the king of Israel, saying, make me a list of all the Gerim Gurim, and whoever was dumb enough to convert Mahmoud's wealth, I'm going to really put him to the, you know, we'll, we'll put him to the slave labor. I mean, it was a shot to see whether or not they would want to continue to be Jew, Jews working under hard conditions? Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's this question. You guys converted because of wealth? I'll show you wealth, you know. I'll work your head off to be polite about it. And uh, and then see if you still want to stay Jewish. I'm not sure I get that. Maybe figured that then they'll leave Judaism and he would say good riddance. Although you run into the halachi question of, you know, once they were Jewish, so they can't really get out of it anymore. We could discuss that, you know, was he going to say, I'm afraid it turns out they didn't mean it. You know, you know, you could, if you were giving a shear, you know, like a shiva, you could, you, you could discuss this. But the whole story sounds very weird simply because is this what you want the base of Migdash to be built out of? This Malkam Kedusha, that all Klai Yisrael have a chelikin, which Shlomo Melch says in his speech, everybody should repair to this. And whenever you have Saurus, you go and talk to Hashem, but listen to your special in there. It should be built from Lebanese uh, work, workers in wood and artisans and semi-Jewish uh, slave laborers and Kahena Kahena. I don't know. It, it, it don't sound right to me. You understand? It does not sound right to me. And uh, you can't say, looking at the, it's always a pet peeve I have, looking at the Jewish history as we're told it in the Book of Malachim and Druk of you can't say like the base of Midrash was such a success in the sense that, oh, it kept everybody from. Uh, it's not 100% clear, but it, it doesn't seem that way. There certainly were many kings in the south. I'm not even talking about the north. That totally went off to Derek. It doesn't sound like the people were so hotsy totsy uh, during these times. So although you did have some kings in the south later on, also comes to mind others who led a revival and a Balchuba movement. But it doesn't sound like the base of Misha was such a spark plug. As soon as they looked at it, they said, Oh, we're giving up idols and now we're from again and all the rest of it. It just don't sound like that. Um, matter of fact, some of the later kings did, did some bad things inside the base of Misha. 
I'm talking about Yisrishan now, right? I'm talking about Yisrishan. So, um, you see that even Hashem is aware of this because at the end of today's Haftarah, or in the story in the Book of Kings, he gives Shlomo a famous warning in which he said, yes, you won the architecture prize of the year. And it's fancy schmancy according to the standards of 3,000 years ago. You know, according to that, that basis. It's not so big. I mean, you know, what, how... How big is is the base of Mikdash after when all said and done? It said Habayis Hashabon Shlomo. At least the building of the base of Mikdash, you know, the Heichal with the Kodesh and Kodesh Kadoshim, all that was uh, sixty by twenty by thirty. So assuming that um, it's roughly two feet to it, I'm I guess something like that. I'm being generous. So it's one hundred twenty feet by forty feet by sixty feet. 60 feet is pretty high. That, that it is. 120 feet? Well, I mean, is that so long? And 40 Why? I, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, it don't seem that long to me. I've seen some houses in Muncie that are bigger than this. <laughs> okay? So, um, anyway, you have this building, and, and, and Shlomo does it, as they say before, in this very Gashmi's type of way, a very harsh type of way, I might say. I mean, what was supposed to be the end of these Gerim Gurim, where they let go in the base? I mean, which was, was finished, which took a number of years, 11 years, I think, or were they retained for other Shlomo jobs? In which case, whoever converted made the biggest mistake in his life because he became a slave. I mean, harsh labor. I, I, I just don't get it. You know, what exactly was the purpose behind it? And, um, it goes on to say, by the way, I do want to call your attention that it says in this week's parsha, a very rare word. Gideon will appreciate this because in Ivrit, uh, in, in, uh, in Vav Tess, you know, Perik Vav Pasik Tess, I think it's the only case I know besides Vayichulu where Vayichalei was used in that way. God created a world and then Vayichulu. And here, which is that word. And even the uncle is, I mean, even the Targum is Shachlisa. You know, he finished something off. But anyway, after this whole business, what does God say? He doesn't say, oh, I'm very impressed. You won the architecture prize. You got the best, uh, you know, uh, architects and landscapers and, you know, uh, builders and so on and so forth. You win, you win the prize in, 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 in Paris. Instead, Hashem's like, it's, I ain't so impressed with the whole business. But, and this is the end of our Torah today. If you keep the mitzvahs, if you stay in the straight and narrow, you stay from, then I'll keep the promise that I made to David. But if not, I'm not impressed with your house. Why didn't Hashem say like this? You know, I owe you one. You really put yourself out. You did a great job. You know, uh, I'm very touched. I'm very impressed. Hashem does not say that. He doesn't talk about the building at all. He says, Abai says there. Okay. Don't think I'm impressed by the fact you build a house. If you keep the mitzvahs, then everything will be good. If you don't keep the mitzvahs, this whole place will go down the tubes. And later on, there's a pussy that Taka says it. And you and I know that's what happened. <coughs> so, 
we're left, at least I am left, with a very strong dissonance between the Moshe Rabbeinu model on the one hand and the Shlomo Melch model on the other hand. In the Moshe Rabbeinu model, although he's definitely running the show, he encourages bottom-up, and he encourages voluntarism, and he includes everybody, the free Jews, including the women, I might say, and everybody was enthusiastic about the whole project. Shlomo Melch, by contrast, runs the whole thing his way. He deals with foreign contractors, as we would say today. He doesn't make the Jews themselves, except the 30,000, do much of the slave labor, although 30,000 hated it. And he does the heavy, heavy work. The kind of work that you bring in foreign workers, he rounds up all the gerim in Israel, who he calls gerim gurim, and he works them to death. I mean, you know, we put them real hard uh, labor over there. So I don't know why Shlomo operated in this way, and I don't know why the Pusik goes into to, to, to point this out. Are they trying to say this Lishvach Lignai? It doesn't sound like like they're they're criticizing him. In the in the most basic way, I guess he the best spin to put on it was he was trying to avoid enslaving Jews, you know, to the degree possible. But at the end of the day, one would think Shlomo would have gotten a better reception, at least I would think, by asking to the public to come join me in this big project and sign up for a volunteer and all the rest of it. And everybody who works in Basin Mish gets a card, you know. And or like Dovid Mel gave him a goodie bag. Dovid gave out a goodie bag. And uh, that's the way it should have been. So I'm not 100% sure why Shlomo chose to do it this way. But in this Haftar, we're presented with an anti-model to the to the Moshe Rabbeinu model. To me, the Moshe Rabbeinu model sounds better, uh, even though it's not as fancy. But uh, maybe Shlomo had his own cheshmets. So I throw this all out at you. Maybe you can come up with a better interpretation than, than I can. But the dissonance between the Mishkan on the one end and the base Mishkan on the other it's kind of striking, right? Don't you agree? <laughs> it's kind of striking. And I guess this is something maybe Gideon and his shear might get into this Shabbos in Houston and elsewhere if they're thinking of examining the Haftorah seriously, which is what this podcast is all about. I uh, end, therefore, by once again thanking Len and uh, Robert Adams for uh, sponsoring this. I think it's very nice, very classy. You're doing a behalf of Gideon. Doesn't surprise me, but it does make me feel good. And with that, I wish you all a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.